Welcome back, everybody, to the WKV Podcast. Um, before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about the new sponsors of this podcast, and it's going to be Underdog Fantasy. Um, it's, Underdog has the easiest and most fun way to spice up this NBA season, and it's going to be their brand new Pick'em game. Um, for Pick'em, all you got to do is just pick the over or under on your favorite or even least favorites player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website, and they have a mobile app. Um, all you got to do is just pick between two and five players and you can take home some cold, hard cash. Just go ahead and use code WKB and get a free deposit match of up to $100 when you sign up and make your first deposit. Now let's get back into this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the seventh episode of the We Know Ball podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. Today, I'm just followed by my usual co-host, Isaac. Arian is not here today. He couldn't make it, but we have two special guests today, um, Abby and Evan from Twitter. Um, Abby, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself first. Um, what's up, guys? I'm Abby. You can find me at Abby Hoops on Twitter with two Ys. Um, I am a huge Suns fan. I started following them around like when I was 10 years old um, because I liked the mascot and the team colors. I'm from California. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> Right. Go ahead, Evan. I'm Evan. I'm Evan. Uh, my Twitter is EVXZ17. You might know me for my shouting mid-game, but uh, I've also been a Suns fan since I was a kid. Um, I'm from Arizona, so it came a little bit more naturally to me, I think, uh, with everyone <laughs> here being a Suns fan. But I just remember my first jersey being a Sean Marion jersey, and then it kind of all, all went from there. So, yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Abby and Evan. Thanks for having us. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking some time out of your out of your day. Unfortunately, after a Suns loss, um, <clears throat> the Suns lost today to the Toronto Raptors, one seventeen to one twelve, in a game that was basically like a mirror image of the first two meetings between these teams, where the Suns just couldn't get a rebound to save their lives and. I mean, just looking at the box score, they only got out-rebounded by eight uh, in total rebounds, but the big difference is 12 offensive rebounds for the Raptors to five for the Suns. And also just the three-point percentage. I mean, the Raptors shot very well from three tonight. So a very frustrating game to watch for sure. What? And I'll go with uh, – let's get here from Evan first. What? I mean, what was your biggest kind of takeaway from this game? Uh, I mean, other than what you said about the offensive rebounds, because obviously that's the glaring difference right there. But I think just the overall sort of um, disparity and effort between the two teams that you could tell the Raptors came out and were playing hard. And the Suns, especially, you know, all game, but especially you could see towards the end, it's just there was no effort getting back on defense. You had Jay with that one, you know, tech when he was sort of walking back down the court, talking to the ref and he let, you know, he, he, didn't get back and the Raptors hit a three and then he got a tech and they added, I can't remember if they made the free throws or not, but you know, opportunity to add some more points for him right there. So I just think overall it was a real lack of effort from the Suns. And other than that one little bit in the fourth quarter, it was just, just bad effort uh, all around, especially on offensive rebounding though. I agree. I agree. There was a, there was a really bad sequence at the end of the first quarter where I think it was like the Suns missed a shot or the Raptors missed a shot and, or scored, and then the Suns just turned it over, and then the Raptors hit a three. 
uh, just like that made it like uh, 30 to 24 instead of 25 to 24 going into the second quarter. So it was a little stretches like that throughout the whole time <clears throat> that kind of just screwed the suns over today. Uh, Abby, what, what was your biggest takeaway? Um, I'd say honestly, kind of the same thing as Evan, just very much like a lack of intensity up until midway through the fourth quarter. Um, and just the very big disparity in shooting nights for both of us. Um, Gary Trent Jr. was on fire and we just couldn't hit a shot. That was, um, I think, one of the biggest reasons for the loss today. Brandon? This is this is a tough one because I agree with you guys, but I, I think I agree with more lack of intensity on the offensive end because I think we played really good defensively tonight. Like, what are we going to do against a guy who's – he had a terrible – let me see what his three-point percentage is before – before tonight he shot eight of 11 tonight yeah so 72 on the night the last four games he shot two for eight two for eight oh for nine three for 15 um (laughs) when someone decides to just go off like that i don't think it really matters what kind of defense you put on him because at one point i feel like everyone tried to guard him at one point and it it was not it did not matter i felt like we had good energy on the defensive end but it seemed we were kind of lazy on the offensive and especially on the offensive board, like Evan said, but otherwise I didn't see it as too bad of a game. Um, we had a few people who, who played really good, but other than that, I think just lack of like offensive energy, which I feel like it's usually the opposite on certain nights. So that's what I would have to say. Can I just add to that the last four games for Gary Trent against the Suns uh, going back to March of 2020. So the last four games against us, he shot 0 of 5, 4 of 18, 5 of 16, 4 of 11. So that is something he is safe to say he's never done that against us. I don't think they were ready. Obviously, they were not ready for it. So it's just something that you did not expect at all coming out of him. Yeah, it was super – I mean – we talk about it on Twitter all the time. I mean, players, these random players just like tend to go off against us all the time for no reason. And it goes back years. I mean, you guys, I mean, the Davis Bertans game that one time, uh, every time we played against Bryn Forbes, I mean, <laughs> like it goes back years and years. So it's something that we're unfortunately used to at this point. We don't necessarily uh, like, lose because of it as much anymore but it's definitely still happens uh and yeah you're right what i mean what can you do right brandon i mean there's nothing you can do when someone's having a night like that so yeah on this back to the kind of sun side though is a very i agree about the defensive intensity um especially from javel tonight (laughs) and like ironically javel um i think actually had a pretty good game for the most part despite only having three points. Can we let's just talk about Javel for a second? Like what what did you guys see from Javel tonight that like made him better today than usual? Uh, I think that 
I mean, I think it was what the first five was it five minutes that he was in he had like four blocks just like mm-hmm. right off the bat um i i know he always is going up and contesting those shots but i think tonight he was really able to sort of connect with them more and make get get those blocks um and i just saw a lot more rebounding effort from him I, a lot of times he tries to do too much on offense and doesn't always do enough on defense um not as as you know, not as, really as bad as I'm making it sound. It's, he's never that bad on defense. But just tonight, it just seemed like there was an extra sort of motivation for him on defense. And I think especially those five first five minutes that he was in with those first – or with those uh, four blocks he had kind of set the tone for him for the rest of the game. Yeah, I agree with Evan. I think he was all over the place on defense with the blocks and really going up to get the boards um, a lot more than – other centers on the team so (laughs) I agree um but we've talked about this on the pod before we've talked about JaVale's defense um I know you usually have a lot to say about it Isaac (laughs) so he's a terrible defender I I really think that Bismack is going to take his playoff minutes I think it's going to happen yeah and then like just on top of that like he had the first four blocks in the first few minutes, but then he didn't get, he didn't really do much after that. Um, I think his only baskets were in the first quarter too, if I'm not mistaken, where he had that and one, I don't know if that was, definitely first half, but I don't remember if it was the first quarter or the first or the second quarter, but definitely the first half. I, I liked, I, I don't think he was terrible the rest of the game. Definitely not as, you know, not what he was uh, in the first half, but I think kind of what you said about Biombo taking his minutes in the in the playoffs. I think what I noticed about Biombo is that I've rarely ever seen a center pick up his matchup like as far away from the basket as Biombo does. Yeah, facts. He picked up Siakam at half court. Yeah, yeah he had yeah. he was he was on like face guarding Siakam on on the Raptors side of the court like when the ball got knocked back there. I've never seen another center do that, or at least not as much as Biombo does. It's crazy. I, yeah, I like Biombo's not only his defensive ability, but his defensive intensity a lot more than Javel. And I mean, where Biombo like lacks in height, he makes up for in IQ. I feel like he's never really, he's never in the wrong spot. I feel like he always seems to be exactly where he needs to be. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I like the way that he played with, um, I think he and JaVale were out there together for a while, and then Aiden came in for uh, JaVale, and then him and Aiden played together for a while. I like the way that they both um, – that both of those duos play together, you know, because none of them shoot threes. It's kind of hard, you know, to figure out what to do on offense with the, with two of them out there at a time, but I like the way that they play together. I think they make it work pretty well. Yeah, that is kind of – the that would be the Suns' version of, like, playing a traditional four – kind of like back in the 90s like the like the bulls where they had rodman playing the four and they still had a center out there mm-hmm. it's kind of that's kind of the same thing and it worked if uh i think a biombo and in lineup against some of those like especially like the bucks i was I just gonna like, say that i feel like that lineup defensively would work really well for the suns especially if you put him in there with like I mean, you have Chris Paul at point guard, you have Book at two, and then you just have Mikel in there at three, right? I mean, 
that's a really good defensive lineup right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Book had an amazing defensive night, I think. Like it doesn't really show it on the box score, but he was he was being a pest all night, staying on people's hips. And um I'm not gonna get into that because we've talked about this in the last like three podcasts. So but yes, it's a big topic. <laughs> what what do you think about JaVale Isaac? What do I think about JaVel? Like just tonight in general. Tonight, I mean I liked him enough to bring him up and talk about him. So <laughs> that should tell you something. I'm usually not, not really thrilled with how Javel played. So uh, for him to have played well enough for me to initiate the conversation on him is I feel like a compliment, compliment enough for me. I'm just don't want to talk about Javel to be honest. Like I just don't, <laughs> but I mean, it's yeah, understandable. He, had, he had a, he had a good, he had a good game for, for Javel. I agree. Well, um, let's start talking and start spreading out more into the rest of the team now. Uh, let's start with our player of the game, and uh, let's hear from Evan first. Who Who is your player of the game today? All right, so I think I'm going to have to go with campaign today. Uh, he had, I think what he tied his career high with 24 points, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. Uh, some of his decision making down the stretch was not great, but I think the rest of the game really made up for that because he kept us in it for a while. Uh, we mm-hmm. could not hit a shot. We were chucking threes over and over. It wasn't, you know, the typical Suns game plan sometimes. Um, but then it was sort of refreshing to see him get into the lane and get, you know, some of those layups that he has. Sometimes uh, trouble getting to go down. He got some of them to go down today. So I think he kept us in it for a long time. I would say that campaign is the player of the game for me today. Yeah, that's a really good one. He he was kind of a kind of he was a lot like Mikel last game. He was kind of our rock this game, kind of kept us in it the whole time. For sure. I mentioned he had uh, seven boards tonight too. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Yeah, he had a great game. Uh Abby, let's hear um, from you next. Evan keeps taking what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> am I allowed to go with the same person or should I pick someone new? Uh, you can, if you want to elaborate on campaign a little more, you can. Yeah. Well, I mean, campaign definitely. Um, but I think another player that did really well tonight was Mikhail and not just defensively, like he usually does. Um, I really liked how like aggressive he was driving towards the hoop today with his little two dribbles um, and then pull up fadeaway that he hit in twice in a row, I think in the fourth quarter. Um, And just like, I love seeing him take um, all the open shots he can get and seeing the Raptors try and like run him off the line. Usually um, it was really good. And um, on top of his like blocks in the fourth quarter and steals, I think a really solid game overall from him tonight. Yeah, something I want to mention about Mikel is the last two games, his rebounding has been off the charts. He had nine, I think, against the Heat, and he had seven again tonight. He's been rebounding like a demon these last few games, and it's something that you didn't see a lot from him. So if he can develop that and kind of help with the rebounding more, uh, that's something that I think would, I mean, obviously would really help the Suns. Yeah, I think I think with a with with a shorter power forward 
um, and then someone at center who I'm not going to say their name. Um, I think sometimes our rebounding struggles a little bit, and that would be really nice for uh, Mikhail to sort of get in a rhythm of getting, you know, I'm not going to expect like seven to nine rebounds from him a night, but if he could hit, you know, or, you know, get maybe five or six and then the occasional, you know, maybe close to 10, that could really boost us a lot, I think, uh, mm-hmm. especially on the offensive end because we really need offensive rebounds. He had, he only had one tonight, but um, he sometimes can sort of snake his way in there to get some offensive rebounds and that could really help a lot. Yeah, for sure. Brandon, who is your uh, player of the game? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be a copier and I'm going to say Cameron Payne as well. It's, it's really hard to choose someone else today because I don't think anyone, it's hard to, to take away what Cameron Payne did today because he did keep us in the game for a majority of this game. And there was part of me that wanted to pick Devin Booker, but I picked him last episode. And with those turnovers at the end of the game, it kind of put took a stock down a little bit. But one thing I wanted to iterate on is why did Aaron Holiday not play? I think he played a lot less than he should have because I think he played really well in the few minutes he played. He played 10 tonight. But I think Monty needs to be better when realizing that Landry Sham is not having a, a good shooting game mm-hmm. to just give those minutes to Aaron Holiday. Yeah, I strongly, I strongly agree with that. Uh, Shamit, we're I'm, we're gonna talk about Shamit probably, so I'm gonna leave it. But Shamit's been a uh, yikes. So Not the I last guess few games, but I tonight. Well, the I mean, he was good. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to remember unless I look <laughs> at his game log. So, like I said, I'll I'll look. I at think it he said two threes the last like. Four or five games, yeah. Except today, yeah. Besides today, but I have I have like a train of thought about Shamit, but I need to like look at his game log to see it. So I'll talk about it later. But I guess for my player of the game, I'll just talk about Devin Booker. So I uh, don't just keep reiterating the same <laughs> things. Um, Devin Booker was having a really good game kind of until the end and mm-hmm. when everybody kind of fell apart. This is a very uh this was not a common occurrence for the Suns who just kind of fell apart in clutch time. Uh we don't see that very often. Um but I do think that up until that time Devin Booker was having a great game. I think his like two of his missed threes were at the very end of the game. So up until then he was three of five from three and like nine of 16 from the field with seven assists. So unfortunately he couldn't get it done at the end. It's absurd to actually expect our players to hit clutch shots like that every single night. We're kind of lucky they do all the time. So I don't, I don't want to rag on, on the team too much for this. Like a lot of people on Twitter are. Well, that's just normal Twitter. So <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> just literally... how it is. They're freaking out again, and it's I'm losing it, dude. All right, so uh, I mean, let's start talking about kind of players we wanted to, we were disappointed with, wanted to see more from. There's a lot to choose from today, so uh, we should have no shortage of people to talk about. Evan, why don't we hear yours first? And who I'm disappointed with? Just yeah, like 
someone you would have liked to see more from today? Um, I think, I think bringing Biombo in sooner. I mean, I guess this is really more. This isn't a rag on Biombo at all. This is more on Monty, really. Um, I think that Biombo should have come in earlier because I remember earlier in the game there was a lineup. I think we had it was it was I think campaign Aaron Holiday, Shamit, Tory Craig, and uh, Javale. So really, what one center and then one guy with a little bit of size. And then three other just guards. And then they were going against a lineup with four, uh, you know, big guys for the Raptors. And I think that um, Biombo definitely should have been in there for that. I think that we should have gone to that two big man lineup a lot sooner. I know that you didn't really ask uh, about the coaching, but I just No, it's think okay. That That's a first. Here. I like that answer. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about Monty much on here. Yeah, so I think that that definitely should have happened sooner. Um, I just think that obviously four big guys, I think it was Thad Young, Chris Boucher, which I don't know if you could even call him like a big guy or not. He just shoots threes pretty much. But um, it was Thad Young, Boucher, Precious Achua, and I think someone else. Like Probably Siakam. I think, yeah, I think it was. Um, just it's and, – and JaVale was going like one on three, one on four for every rebound in there, and it was just not working. And I just think that – that would have been a perfect time for a two big man lineup, especially with Biombo being fresh off the bench. He hadn't played at all, like just, you know, fresh legs. I think that would have been really helpful and would have kept the game from getting out of hand. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think Biombo is going to end up taking JaVale's playoff minutes just because he, JaVale is super flashy. Um, and we all kind of know who he is because he's goofy and like all the old Shaq and the Fool episodes and stuff. But he's not like he's a really ineffective player. He's not a good defender ever. Like he has the flashy blocks. I always say this, but he's not a good defender. And Biombo, like, I mean, like I already kind of mentioned before, he lacks the size, but his intensity and his ability on the defensive end are just so much better. Mm-hmm. And along with his IQ, I feel like he's like, I don't, I won't be surprised if JaVale is kind of out of the rotation come playoff time. Especially when, when JaVale being such a bad perimeter fender or even a bad defender outside 10 feet. Um, when the other team is shooting over 40% from three, you kind of, it's kind of necessary to, to have, someone who can stick to those big men who can shoot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Abby, what, uh, who's a player you were disappointed with today? Um, I think I'm going to go with the obvious answer um, and say DeAndre in. Um, I don't know. I think especially with the end of the play game, I know some of us are DA truthers here, but <laughs> um, again, with the rebounding, I honestly saw like McGee and Biombo going harder for those boards and even Mikhail um, than Aiden has. And it's been a reoccurring issue, but um, it was really evident, especially at the end of the game today where he just grabs the ball and then kind of lets it bobble around for a little bit. Um, And yeah, I mean, I also just don't think he, try to be as big of a presence today within like attacking the basket. I saw him try and shoot like a three with like a good amount left on the shot clock. Um, 
that was interesting as well. So I don't know. I just, I think he definitely could have been a little bit more aggressive today, especially. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll dive deeper into Aiden uh, once we kind of get into open conversation for sure. But yes, uh, Brandon. I, I want you to go first. Cause I want to know who you say. Uh, well, I damn, feel like I, I know, <laughs> I feel like I know. And I want to, I want to say something, say something to counter that. Uh, if you choose, you feel like, thing. you know, <laughs> yeah, there's two people. And if you pick one, then I, I want to say something about who do you. It. Well, tell me who you think the two I think are you're because... going to say Tori Craig or Shamit just because <laughs> that's who, but we usually have a rule where we have to stop picking those players, but tonight, we, um, Okay, you know, just because you said that, I'm going to pick Shamit because. Oh, God damn it! I was thinking. Uh, because now, at, now after today, he's going to be off limits. So this is my <laughs> last chance to talk shit about him. Um, Shamit has been, and here's my chance to bring up his game log. Landry Shamit, like, got hot randomly and has just been on a steady decline ever since, and it's. Like, I, this is completely what I expected to happen to Shamit. I said it um, in one of the episodes, I think. I was like, I, it's a very short, like, uh, sample size, but he's been playing great. But literally ever since then, he's just been getting worse and worse. So he played – his first good game was against the Knicks when he shot two for two from three and 50% overall. That was his first, like, good game, I'd say. And then against the Bucks, he had 17 and shot 50% from three. And then he had 21 against the Magic and shot 60% from three. And that was like his peak, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Miami, he shot two of six. And we're like, okay, like whatever. Two of six isn't like the worst thing in the world, right? But then tonight he shoots 0 of four. And now we're just like back. So square one. So... Hopefully he's just maybe he'll be like a more consistent up and down now where there's less games in between his hot streaks and his cold streaks, but uh I just don't think he has it, man. Like I just I just don't think he has it. So I, yeah, I think well I know he has sort it. of I think we're sort of past the waiting period to see how he's gonna be. Like we're we're what, sixty something games in? And yeah, we're like 67 games into the season. Yeah. Or not even yeah, I think 67, right? Something I don't know. I've lost whatever. Time. Um, but he's still sub 36% from three. And what else does he really give you other than three-point shooting? Nothing. Yeah. So I think for someone who's like just is labeled as a strict three-point shooter, that's it. And not even labeled as I mean, that's what he is. Um, for them to just shoot, I think it said like, I think it said 35.9 or something like that. I mean, I guess it's not as bad as it could be, but for someone who's a pure shooter, um, that's just not going to cut it. And I think that his minutes need to go down a little bit because when their shots aren't falling, he, I think he's just taking up space on the court. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it should have, I think a lot more of his minutes should have gone to Aaron holiday today. Yeah. Um, but I thought you were going to say Tory Craig. Did you have a whole spiel about Shamit, like prepared? No, I had a spiel about Tory Craig because <laughs> I oh, thought good. you were going to pick him. He cut to the basket today. So th- that's Craig why he did. 
he's that he's not that's why he can't be my most disappointing player because he already exceeded my expectation doing that <laughs> that's something that we've been talking about a lot and he actually cut to the basket once today so maybe today is once maybe to next game it will be twice i don't know but at least we know he still remembers how to do that yeah despite it being like the easiest cut of all time <laughs> and it was like he did it though like, okay but he that. still did it so it is progress you're right but yeah otherwise i was gonna pick shame too so and you covered it my bad. Uh, no, you're good. Let's uh, – do we want to talk about any other players necessarily? We talked about – I mean, do we need to talk about Crowder? He was kind of just there tonight. <laughs> no, but at least he's not going 0 for 8 anymore, so I'm happy with that. Facts. Yeah, but didn't he just go like 3 for 15 the other night though? <laughs> yeah, but I think he it's was... in more spurts. So, yeah. like, yeah. at one point in the season it was like, like every other game – it was 0 for 8, but looking at his game log, he was t- tonight 5 for 9, 5 for 16 the other night, then 3 for 15, but then he was 7 for 12 and 5 for 12. So I am surprised – or sorry, I was looking at field goal. Oops. Oops. Yeah, I was going to say, he's like making 5 and 6 through. I'm like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not paying attention. He was 2 for 4, 1 for 7, 1 for 10, 4 for 8, 2 for 7. But I am field surprised. Great. <laughs> in between games sometimes if, if they if he can hit 50 percent on like a good like a good amount of attempts like a four for eight you can take one of those one for sevens like in between if he'll give you four for eight or five for nine you know yeah next game yeah i'm surprised he's getting that many shots up though just as like a he's kind of our last option as far as scoring goes now when he's, right, he's got a trigger though or he's he should be finger. he does he just pulls up which i think that man's that man's a shooter <laughs> which i wouldn't mind seeing more from landry shaman doing that because you know we've talked about it like chucking the threes. ball no because he does that but like at least crowder doesn't try to fade away on every single one <laughs> so it's it's more it's more reasonable that he's that he can take them but i think landry shaman he's one of those guys he sees the ball go through the net once and they'll keep falling consistently after that. So uh, I'd rather, well, I'd, rather sham it, it. I'd rather sham it do it. I'd rather sham it do it than, than uh, I just Craig. like, yeah, Tori Craig. I was about to say Jay Crowder and I don't know why, <laughs> but I, 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 just I take that back. <laughs> no, you may, yeah, I, I know what you meant. Heat of the moment. Um, uh, Brandon, I know. Do you want to talk about Aaron holiday at all? Yeah, I think he, I think especially at the beginning of the game, um, because I don't know how much, I wasn't paying attention to how often he was in during the fourth quarter, if any of you guys know or have the number on that. On what, say again? Fourth quarter. So he played, he didn't even play in the fourth quarter at all. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he played in the fourth. Um, He had three minutes in the third quarter. And then three, he plays the played. He basically played three minutes a quarter up until the fourth quarter. But it seemed like while we were down so much, he was giving the most effort um, for us. And I think that that would have helped a lot in that last final stretch because I kind of would have, I, I, even though Cameron Payne was so hot tonight, I feel like he gets so flustered sometimes in these moments where it's a close game and, um, 
or down by a lot that he just seems like he doesn't know what to do anymore. And he just kind of like looks around and kind of holds the ball and then just throws it kind of like how Devin Booker was doing when he's being double teamed, but usually Cam Cameron Payne's not being double teamed. He's just being smothered. So there's a difference there, but it just seems like Cameron Payne sometimes is just doesn't know what to do in those situations. And I want, I would like to see how Aaron holiday would hold himself in that, because especially when, when it's, it's a close game, I know Cameron Payne, he had a hot hand tonight. Um, but Cameron Payne probably wasn't getting the last shot anyway. So just, I, I want to see Aaron holiday in those type of situations because he might have to in the playoffs and that's where it's going to matter. So. Yeah. And let's, let's kind of talk about the end of this game a little bit. Uh, and specifically after Devin Booker hit that three to make it a one point game, that's when it all kind of turned to disaster for the Suns. So after Devin Booker hit that three, the Raptors came down and Mikel, that was Mikel's block on uh, Siakam, that yeah. crazy block that I was going to use to push my defensive player of the year agenda if we want. I mean, um, you still could. You still could. We're still the best team yeah, in the NBA. But so. like, no one, bro, like, I'll show it in like a week when people like forget about this game. <laughs> um, and then we came down, Devin Booker airballs a three. And this is when Mikel's offensive rebound happened. He he rebounded Devin Booker's air ball and then immediately turned it over. My box score keeps skipping back to the top. Um, and then uh, Mikel Bridges turns it over, and we have to foul them. They make both free throws. We call a timeout. We come back in after timeout, and Booker just kind of shoots a three. They didn't really do a play or anything. He just kind of grabbed the ball and just shot it. And then they rebounded. We fouled. They shot two more free throws, and then the game ended. So, like, what the hell happened to the Suns' late game execution in this game? What happened? Well, I think we're missing a big uh, piece of our fourth quarter offense and defense. Yeah. Um, we missed him for a couple games now. I think that's obviously – that's kind of the easy answer. Um, I just – think like what you were saying about pain is he sort of just forgets you know what he's kind of supposed to be doing um and I think that's just sort of that was sort of the whole team today I think uh in specific honestly I think what happened was Booker was getting double teamed every possession and I would have liked to see him like pass out of it sooner but I think what happened to him a couple of times is that he got doubled and then just sort of tried to run his way out of it and he would end up running into the corner getting himself trapped and then he would have to throw like a cross court pass or you know back up to the top of the key and a lot of times for guys get you know for guys when you're playing against guys like scotty barnes or somebody like that they're gonna steal that every time you know some teams you can get away with that against but the raptors are just not one of those teams that you can just throw those wild passes against and just expect for the pass to get there I think that was a big part of it is they just kind of expected that their wild passes would get there. Yeah, definitely. I just, I pulled up the clip that Devin Booker, he kind of just, he gets double teamed on that one play and he dribbles just straight to the corner. Um, And you see when he like releases the pass, he's literally jumping out of bounds because he's so far out of it. 
And it happened like a few times earlier as well, I think. Yeah, I think that the the biggest part of that is is when he's getting double teamed, somebody's open and whoever's open needs to move their feet because when he got double teamed, that's we were running the two center lineup and they were both just sitting sitting on the like on the paint. Um Cameron Payne, he was being guarded by Van Vliet, I think, at the time, who was he was just being a pest all night. So it didn't seem like P- I, I don't remember the, the the play exactly, but I do remember sitting there and thinking someone needs to run towards Booker at least just to get an easy pass off to to get the double team off of them so that they can reset because we had time. Um especially the first the first time we uh turned the ball over. But going back to what Isaac said about Booker airballing that three, I think that was one of the most bonehead plays I've seen by Devin Booker. I understand. I think it was more of like a, he wanted a heat check, but I don't don't think think that was a bad shot. I don't think it was a bad look. No, but in a tie game with what was it about minute and a half, two minutes left. um, I think you just look for the easy basket, especially um, high up in the shot clock. That Um, play came, uh, the air ball came with 24 seconds left in the game. Really? It was that late by, in the game? We were down yeah. by one, yeah. Oh, we my God. One with I did not realize it was that, that, that late was, in the game. No, yeah, that's but, why I was not upset with that shot. It's a good look. That's who I want shooting the ball at the end of the game, too. Like, it's you just missed. Yeah, I still think hold the, sh- hold the shot um, and try to yeah, get Yeah, you probably still can hold it for last shot, probably, because we did get – or I don't Last know. shot or at least get a two and hold him on defense. I don't know uh, how much shot clock there was when he shot it. So I it don't was know. 19 seconds left on the shot clock when he shot it. Yeah. So we could have, we could have brought it down to like five seconds. Yeah. And just try to get the easy two out of it because we are running a two center lineup. Some, one of them, if, if we throw it in there, especially with DA lately, his MIDI has been so good. I would have trusted it. Um, yeah, and definitely. we could have just, we played really good defense and then I think we could have held him um, after that shot, but it's all right. It's, it's a game against the Raptors. It's not. Yeah. That's what we need to remember. It's not the end of the world. We're still what? 53 and 14. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at that shot from Booker with uh, 15 seconds left. We're down three, and he's fading away. He's probably close to, I don't know, 30 feet away, and he's fading back. And I'm looking at where the defense is. You have you have Jay in the corner with Siaka on him, and you have Mikhail in the other corner with Scotty Barnes on him. And then you have Payne up at the three-point line. And then the other three Raptors defenders, you have Fred on Booker. You have Birch like almost at the three-point line. And then you have Gary Trent also at the three-point line. And where's Aiton? He's all alone, like sitting on the elbow, moving towards the basket. And there's not a single Raptors player within like five, seven feet of the paint. And he's just there all alone. Like I mm-hmm. wish that Booker Cotty yeah. got it into him because then we'd be down one. Um, and then we can foul and hope that they miss one of their free throws. Like that, yeah, that is unfortunate. I didn't see that. Or even I think I was worried that the double team was going to come and he kind of just wanted to throw something up. Yeah, I don't think we needed. I mean, obviously, a three would have been great there, but 
we inbounded with 17 and a half seconds left and the shot left his hand with 16 seconds left. So it took him yeah. a second and a half to catch and shoot. And he, he didn't even look anywhere else because he caught it with his back to the basket and turned around and immediately went into his shot motion. So I just wish that he would have looked around a little bit more. Yeah, he definitely for sure. Made that pass to DA. Definitely. The Suns, I mean, they had four turnovers in the last two minutes. That's something you just don't really – they had – four turnovers and I think they shot I think they shot like one of five or one of four or something in the last two minutes or something like that I'm not really sure but um, yeah just a very out of character game for the Suns especially a Suns team that even without uh, Chris Paul has still won some clutch games against obviously not like better teams but still um so, yeah, just a very out-of-character game for the Suns. You don't see this very often. I think – I mean, I can't even remember the last time they had a collapse in the fourth quarter like this. Yeah. The last two minutes I'm, I'm looking at, it's I, I have it at 2.13, so same thing. Um, Suns shot one of four and had four turnovers, and all four of those turnovers were steals. They weren't just, oh, he stepped out or, oh, he threw it out of bounds. Like, they were mm-hmm. steals that led directly to um, Raptors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Raptors had 10 points in the last two minutes um, Jesus. and four steals. And we had five points and we shot one of four and all of those were from three. We didn't even attempt a two pointer. I'm guessing they had eight points off turnovers in the last two minutes. It went on an eight and a run from that. Yeah. And there's those front. Yep. So, yeah, very uncharacteristic for the Suns team to fall apart like that. And I think this is a perfect game where you see how important Chris Paul is because um, he's someone that keeps your, he keeps the team's composure um, in nights like this, um, especially late in the game. Uh, and it just shows kind of, I don't want to say inexperience because they've played with him for, what is it now, season and in, in three, three quarters, season and a half. Um, so I think that they kind of should have, should be able to fend for themselves in situations like this. But I think Chris Paul just elevates it to a different level. So I think we can really see uh, Chris Paul's impact from a game like this. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot better than our current guys out there. Cause I mean, they're obviously still really good. You can't complain ever about having Devin Booker on your team, but it's just, nobody comes close to Chris Paul in those situations. And he's just someone that you can't replace you know, when the when the game comes down to what it was, um, he's just the best in that situation. And so you just got to kind of – you got to kind of figure it out what you have. Yeah, let's let's talk about um, DeAndre in a little bit. Uh, Brandon, before we started recording, you asked me if my opinion had changed on Aiton's contract, like what I think he should get. Why – what did what did you see from him tonight that made you think I would have changed my mind? Um, I I didn't think there was anything in specific. Um, I was kind of going when I said that I was kind of going based off of Sun's Twitter's reaction, just given given a little bit of crap there. But um, definitely, I want to talk about that last play where we we're talking about D book fading away, and there's because I'm looking at the clip now. 
and there's no uh, nobody in the paint guarding Da when he chucks up that shot. Um, it kind of you can kind of see how lazy he was being, um, seeing the ball come off the board. Like he let he kind of he just let Gary Trent um, box him out. Granted, the rebound went behind them, but I think he would have gotten a little better rebounding um, positioning if he kind of stayed solid and and didn't let anybody get in front of him because he was all alone in the paint um, when the ball, even when the ball left his hand, um, going watching it a few times. So I just I just wish sometimes he would just be more aggressive like we know he can. And I don't know if he's doing this because of like the whole contract situation, if he's trying to prove something, but um, I, I just think he needs, he needs to work on his rebound positioning because it's definitely hurting us as of late. So I just thought maybe your opinion might change from the last time we talked about it. Well, I have changed my mind it wasn't this game that made me change my mind I think I said this on the pod before I more would like for him to get something similar to what Jared Allen got like a five-year 100 mil maybe not the full like max just because um of what Thunder Talk said in the very first episode that he thinks a max contract player needs to be someone who's like and I'm not going to say Aiden's inconsistent because he is fairly he's, – he's consistent, but he's not, like, consistently dominant like a max player should be. But he definitely does need to get paid, and he definitely shouldn't leave because if Aiden leaves this team, we're kind of screwed. Yeah, Very screwed. I think, I think his, uh, his stats make him look more consistent than he actually is. I think his stats are relatively consistent, but his effort is not consistent at all. Yeah. Because one game you'll you'll be like, wow, he just scored, you know, 30 points, or wow, he just got 20 rebounds. And then you can really see the effort. And then other games like tonight, but not tonight's not the best example, but um, you know, there are some games where he really you can just tell he he has no effort whatsoever. And then you look at his box score and he has, you know, 17 points and nine rebounds, which doesn't look that bad. But when you watch the games, you can really tell how how inconsistent his effort levels are. Yeah. And I'm curious to see what amount of those rebounds, like tonight, um, he had, what did he have exactly? He had seven tonight. I wonder how many of those rebounds he was fighting for the rebound because like probably same with campaign, a lot of our rebounds just get bounced you know, it's just like a bounce off three and they just collect no one, no one around them. I want to see how many he's actually fighting for. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to watch them real quick. Because I, I think that, I think that it shows in his disparity between offensive rebound and defensive rebounds where he's not really fighting for him as much as he probably should be. Yeah, you're right. He only had one offensive board today. But, I mean, the Suns team in total only had five offensive yeah. rebounds. So, just not the best rebounding game in general. Yeah, the Suns and rebounding has been pretty tragic recently. Um, it's not tragic in the games where we do get a fully engaged Aiden 
like the last two games. But and I mean, it's not I'm not like last time we played the Raptors, they gave us fits like this, too. I it's just something about this team. Like, I don't even think it's just, it was only eight in tonight. I think. No. I mean, all I all three of our centers kind of got their asses kicked at least once or twice. So. Uh, yeah, I can see where. Uh, Aiden is like definitely fluctuating in his effort levels, but at the same time, it's like the whole team really struggles rebounding with rebounding a lot. And I think it stems from the fact that we play like a pretty traditional point guard shooting guard duo, but our, our uh, wing lineup is very, we don't play traditional four. So it hurts us when we play teams like the Raptors where four out of their five starters are like six, seven or taller. Mm -hmm. So. I just it's, counted uh, Aiton's – oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, you're good. All right. I just counted uh, Aiton's rebounds, and I counted two contested and five uncontested. And the one of the two contested ones was only contested because he bobbled it at first, and he sort of bobbled it in the direction of a bunch of people, and then he had to, you know, fight with them to get the rebound. Yeah, so he so, so he kind of had one contested rebound Yeah. out of his seven. So. And then – the one offensive rebound was, I don't know if you guys remember, but I think it was, I just watched it and forgot who it was, but uh, it was a fifth, it was a fast break and they came down and missed the layup and Aiden was trailing and just kind of had that little put back dunk uh, that nobody was around. That was his oh, one yeah. offensive rebound. Yeah. So, so in total, literally one contested. One, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One sort of quality rebound, I guess. I don't know about quality, but, but one, yeah, contested rebound. Interesting. Yeah, can it's it's a uh, and like I said before on the bot, the Raptors only had eight more rebounds than the Suns tonight, so the, it wasn't as like uh, I'm losing the word. It wasn't as large of a difference as the first game, but it was definitely an issue for sure. Uh, do we want to talk about the refs, or are we kind of over that? I have I do have a point to make about the refs. Um, I saw a tweet. And it's from it's from NBA ref stats. And it says Toronto has won 17 straight games with Leon Wood officiating the longest active streak in the NBA. And now wow. that was from before the game. So uh, I guess just make of that what you will. I'm not going to add too much um, outside of that. But yeah, gives me Scott Foster vibes. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, is there any? Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to say much about the refs, but I don't really think the refs are on our side a lot of the time. So it's not much to say about that. I'm trying to stay professional here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like we, we can we can talk. We talk about the refs on this, on this pod a little bit. It's uh, We've talked about um, the whistle Aiden gets on defense. We've talked about uh, Booker's whistle on offense. Um it's okay if you want to vent a little bit. No, I mean, it's really, at the end of the day, it's it's a rare occurrence. As much as everyone complains about the refs, it's a rare occurrence where the refs really honestly decide the game because um, there's a lot of stuff that the losing team could have done better, which is like what we've been talking about the last however long tonight. Yeah, the refs were pretty bad tonight, but there was a lot of stuff that we could have done better. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to complain too much, just – 
some of those calls were pretty pretty wild uh especially after we challenged that one from booker i was kind of at a loss for words there but yeah that one was ridiculous <laughs> yeah that was uh that was definitely something and it's just stuff like that sometimes but at the end of the day it's there was stuff that we could have done better and usually no matter who the team is um that's complaining about the refs usually there's something they could have done better so i try not to let it um be too big of an issue at the end of the day yeah, definitely. Well, uh, is there anything that you guys wanted to touch on from this game a little bit more? I mean, not not for me, Abby. Do you have anything that you want to add? Um, I think we've covered basically everything there is to say. Yeah, just a just a bad loss tonight. We've yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just very, one uh... loss. You know, just take it and go. So. Yeah, it's one of our 14 losses this year. So really, we're really struggling out there. <laughs> I just saw a really funny tweet. <laughs> um, it's a picture of the Raptors man- mascot. It says, the worst part about this is that this absolute piece of shit is happy tonight. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's, let's kind of preview our next game, which is against the Los Angeles Lakers, one I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. Uh, The Lakers right now are absolutely in the mud. They suck. They're so bad. They are right now sitting at – hold on. They are sitting at ninth in the Western Conference with a 28-37 and record. Two and eight in their last ten. They're currently on a two-game losing streak, although they're beating the Wizards right now as we speak. So we'll see if that holds up. But uh, what what are you guys looking forward to uh, in this game coming up on Sunday? I'll go first. Cameron Payne. <laughs> My bad. You know, I'm looking forward to Cameron Payne because um, the whole th- the whole beef between him and LeBron last last time they played. Um, and especially with how good Cameron Payne has been playing, I really hope he comes, uh, with just a different type of chip on his shoulder. Um, but I'm a little scared. I'm not going to lie. Scared. Anytime you play LeBron, it's like, you know, you're still playing LeBron. I understand no, the Lakers are bad, but you know, it's just, it's just. You know, and I, I don't want I don't like jinxing stuff because we know how that's how it's gone. So <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm gonna shut up about the next game now. But I hope hey, you did. To be fair, uh, I think the Heat game you did okay. Yeah. So maybe oh, maybe you're in the clear. Speaking of jinxing, I want to bring up an old text I have with Abby. Um, oh. It was the game. So do you guys? I mean, I'm sure you do remember the the Harrison Barnes game winner against us. Oh yeah, yeah. I was oh I was there for that game. Oh god, that's that's. <laughs> oh no. So yeah, that game. What was that like? Probably like seven p.m. or something like that. It was a nighttime game. I remember yeah. I texted Abby at um I think probably like midday, and I we were just talking about the game, and I was like Harrison Barnes game winner tonight. I'm calling it right now. Oh my god. And <laughs> and it got closer and closer, and I was like, I really hope that I didn't jinx that. And then what happens? But Harrison Barnes hits a game winner, and we fall to I think one and three. So. Uh, that was probably the, the best jinx of my career. So <laughs> I just be careful with what I say about uh, upcoming games now. <laughs> well, if you ever place a bet, send me the parlay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, um, on the bright side, that game did spur our 18-game win streak. So, silver, <laughs> silver lining. Also, yeah, you did see the Harrison Barnes game winner, but you got to redeem yourself by seeing the Knicks game winner. So, Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I got to see the Aaron Baines 9-3s game in person. That's crazy. That was- I, I, I couldn't watch that game, so I didn't see that live. I was very upset. I was at work, and I went on my phone after work, and I saw Aaron Baines 37 points on Twitter, and I was like, what the hell did I miss, dude? I just want to know how the crowd was that game. Was it? It was crazy. Yeah, I, I got there. I got, oh, geez. I got there a little late, um, but it was like halfway through the first quarter. Somehow I was that late. Um, so we missed the first couple of them, and then it just it he just didn't miss, and it wasn't like a oh he's he's going off, he's made six threes in a row or something like that. It was mainly spread out over the entire game, so it was just sort of like a um, you know he would get the ball in the corner, and you're like oh my god, yeah, I didn't even see him over there, and he just <laughs> makes it again, and then the next time you know a couple minutes later it makes it again, and it's just like he's not missing, <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't even like, like I said, it wasn't even like, oh, he just made, you know, however many threes in a row, like like Cam at the end of the Knicks game. It was sort of spread out over the entire game. So it was just everyone was sort of, I think, realizing at the same time, like, oh, my God, he's not missing. Like, how many threes does he have now? Like, seven already? It's kind of crazy. <laughs> hey, you guys have a nice – I in California, I only get to watch the Warriors versus the Suns game. Um, and every single I've told Evan this, but I've gone to like three or four um, Warriors Suns games, and every single one I've been to, the Suns have lost. So I stop going at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to like take a break from watching them. So yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it is for me since I'm close to Chicago that I can I only really go to Chicago or Milwaukee games when they play the Suns. Yeah. Um, the last last game I went to last it was in February when I went to the Sun Chicago game. Pretty sure Devin Booker dropped forty that game, so that was that was cool to watch. But I've never got to see any crazy ass game winner, so I'll be oh, jealous I, at you guys for that. I um I don't know if this I don't know if you guys remember this one. I don't even remember what year it was from, but we were playing the Hawks in Phoenix. I was there, um, and it was a close game and it was like the last possession and Dennis Schroeder threw an alley-oop to, I can't even remember who it was, but, um, and then Marquise Chris blocks it and gets the rebound with like a couple seconds left. And that kind of like sealed the win for us. And that was like one of the most hype uh, crowd times ever at a Suns game. I need to find that. I can't, I haven't even thought about that since then. It was a couple of years ago, obviously, you know, it was Marquise Chris. So a it was time, time yeah. super recently. Yeah. But I just remember it was the most hype, you know, one of the most hype things I've experienced there. It was crazy. It was just like game ceiling, like blocked alley-oop. And then I thought, I was convinced after that that he's the truth. Like, he's going to lead us to a championship. (laughs) 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 I'm assuming if it was Marquise Chris, it was probably 2017, 2018. One of those two years. Probably. Yeah, I think I want to say it was 16, 17, because I don't think that we had these like I'm pretty sure we got our current uniforms in the 17, 18 season. So I'm it might have been his rookie year in 16, 17. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see. Uh yeah, I think it was. Okay. November 30th, 2016, we beat the Hawks by two at home. Except it says he has no blocks, so maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, LeBron has 40 right I now. was just literally just about to say that. I was like, I just looked at the Lakers box score, and he's, he's at 42 right now. 
Dude, crazy. Uh, should, should we be concerned? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's shooting I mean, he 62% has from three. He has 42, but they're like barely beating the Wizards. So, I mean. Yeah, I think as long as we don't let him have like 50. It's hard when your other stars has five points. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we only need to contain LeBron. You don't really have to worry about the rest of them. Yeah, thanks. I'm not worried about Westbrook. No, contain LeBron and outrun like Carmelo Anthony, which is not the hardest thing <laughs> I think you can win. Yeah. <laughs> no, Russell Westbrook's going to hit like six threes on us. I wouldn't even be shocked. <laughs> Don't say that. Fuck, I, fuck. Yeah, Brandon, no. <laughs> I'm hammering um, the over on Russell Westbrook threes. Yeah, I'm putting down 100 bucks on that shit. <laughs> no, nah, um, I'm. I've been looking forward to this game for a long time, and I, I'm actually almost excited that this game's coming off a loss because now we're going to be pissed. Uh, and maybe we'll – hopefully we can beat them by, like, 40 points or something. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, on national TV too. Oh, my God. THT just postered Kuzma. <laughs> Welcome oh, back no. To LA, Kuzma. <laughs> are they in oh, LA? Oh, no. Are they? Yeah, they're, they're in, in LA. LA. They're in LA. Yeah. Welcome back to LA, Kuzma. <laughs> that was that was wild. All right. Uh well, let's get into some uh follower questions here before we wrap it up. Um these are all from these were all asked yesterday, so these are fresh questions. This one is uh two of them are not Suns related. So let's start with the first one. This one, this one's asking for our Grizzlies playoff predictions. This is from at Emmy Vuitton on Twitter. At Emmy Vuitton. I was going to go based on uh, standings right now. Uh, yeah, I go based on right now standings because they're second right now, right? Yeah. So. And then we'll just take Lakers and Pelicans out. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I'd say probably – I guess I'd have to see who they play. Second round exit with how how it's looking to me. Yeah, because I think it's going to be. I mean, the Warriors are third, right? So they play. They would play each other in the second round. Yep. So. See. Uh, that would be a great series. So second round exit or Western Conference Finals, depending who wins that series. Yeah, I yeah. based off experience alone, I don't know how far they can get. But, they, I mean, they said the same thing about the Suns, too, so you never know. Yeah, I mean, Jacques, I mean, they could just go crazy. Yeah, it's just, um, I think they have, I think, what, this, one of the youngest rosters in the NBA. Um, it's it's definitely not impossible for them to make it super far, but it's, I just think, unlikely just based off of, like, age and playoff experience, I think. They also have, like, one shooter. Yeah, I'm gonna so, look uh, at their roster real quick. Who's who's the oldest player on that team? I'm gonna guess Valanciunas. <laughs> no, oh, it's Steve. Or I mean, Stephen Adams. Adams yeah. <laughs> Twenty-eight yeah, years man. old. So Stephen Adams, Kyle Anderson, Anderson. Stephen Adams is twenty-eight. Yeah. There's no way. I thought he was like thirty-four. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> I swear he's been in the league forever. Yeah. That's crazy. Wait, was he really only 24 years old when Draymond kicked him in the nuts? <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Not way younger than that. He was that was that was six years ago. Yeah, they have six players 22 or younger. 
and then 10 players, 23 or younger. <laughs> Who's their so, oldest player? Is it Adams? Steven Adams, 28, yeah. Oh, damn, yeah. They have three 28-year-olds, him, Kyle Anderson, and Shaquille Harrison. How are Steven Adams and Kyle Anderson the same age? And Shaq Harrison, <laughs> that makes no <laughs> Kyle Anderson kind of makes sense. Yeah, Dylan Brooks 20, is 26. 28 makes sense for Kyle Anderson. 28 does not make sense for Steven Adams. That's crazy. All right, so I mean, yeah, we can agree. Second, they're going to be though they could make a deep run yeah, if they, they could, if know. they get hot. Yeah, I'd be okay with seeing them in the Western Conference Finals. They yeah. take the Warriors out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. we're like an uncalled travel. Them. Like the only time they beat us is because Jaw fucking traveled. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the only reason. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I'm not – yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them. I think that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. All right, so this next question comes from at Derek Carburner. Uh, what qualifies someone for MVP? Team success, individual stats, both, or just being the best player in the league? That's <laughs> a good question. This is an annoying question to me because it changes yeah. every single year. What do you think it should be then? Um, okay, I'll give both answers. I think it. I think it should be, or I think that the the MVP should should be changed. Like the name should be changed because if we're talking most valuable player, um, I think that would mean someone who, no matter what team you put them on, they are making them a contender automatically. Well, there's only like three of those players. Right. So I and think I mean, it should be maybe like not even three because we can't even say that LeBron makes the team a contender right now because his team's not a contender. Neither is Kevin Durant's team. So who are those who are the players in the league right now that instantly make a team a contender? I think Chris Paul. Giannis. Giannis. Giannis is definitely <laughs> yeah. <a player. laughs> yeah. Chris Paul. I think well, yeah, because Chris Paul, like by definition, he, I don't, I can't. He's a very valuable right player. Off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did take that OKC team right into yeah. the playoffs. So yeah, it's like every team that he's been on has been like exponentially yeah. better than the year before he got there. Um, and it happened again with the Suns. And obviously, I'm not going to be like one of those people that's like, oh yeah, Chris Paul's, you know, he's responsible for all the Suns' success. But it's obviously a huge part of it. Definitely. Um, so it's just by definition, I think definitely. But at the same time, he's nowhere near the best, you know, best skill wise player in the NBA. Right. So and I think that's where like when John Morant was super high on the boards and stuff, I, I didn't see how how he was because around the same time when he was injured, I think their team was like 12 and one in the last 13 games. Yeah. So. I think that's just an argument. I think that, like, right now, the award is, like, I don't even want to say it's it's the the best player in the league because... It's just the biggest stats, I think, right yeah, now. Yeah, like, just, just the most impressive player. I really think there should be... I really think there should be an Offensive Player of the Year award and an MVP award. I think that would solve a lot of problems. Yeah. The NFL does it just fine, so I'm not sure why the NBA can't do it. Because if if by definitely like if we're going off 
stats and even winning because let's see, I want to look at the standings real quick, but Jokic would fit the description every single year because with his team being out, he's 40 and 27, his team. And if you look at the other side on the Eastern conference, both the bucks and the 76ers, the bucks have 42 wins and the six, uh, the Sixers have 40 wins. Um, but there's been a case the whole season about, oh, Jokic isn't winning as many games as he should with uh, Jamal Murray out. But I haven't heard that conversation with Giannis or Embiid. So I think it should be – I think it should be the best player on the best team. So um, if we were to have an Offensive Player of the Year award, who would you guys want to give it to this season? This season, probably Embiid. I agree. I'm trying to think of who else I would give it to. Um, I don't know. Embiid does seem or, like yeah. just a runaway answer, but yeah, I mean it's not really close, right? It's now. hard. It's hard to take if Kevin Durant didn't get hurt, then yeah, if KD stayed healthy, I would say it was him, uh, him or Embiid, or and then like a third option would be Jokic. Yeah, and then MVP is a completely different conversation because. I mean, I think when you're talking about league MVP, like what it should be, I feel like you have to take all three um, of those things into account, team success, stats, and like your like just how good you are. So like Chris Paul will, could never be an MVP. Like he has the team success, but he doesn't necessarily have the stats and he doesn't have like – the he's not like a top 10 player or anything you know so i think i think someone like devin booker is the perfect choice for mvp because um he has the team success he has the individual numbers and you could argue for him to be like I mean, I think I feel like he has an argument for top ten at this point, but I'm not going to go that far right now. I could let's say like top twelve. Well, he is top ten right now. Yeah, top nine. Top nine. Yeah, but that's ninth. Is that your ranking or is that no? That's NBA doc like NBA's. Oh, and the MVP rankings. Yeah. Oh well, then yeah, he's technically so. Then yeah, I mean, why is he? I mean, Devin Booker is my MVP. Then like, what? What makes no sense to me about those rankings though is. Last time they came out, Chris Paul wasn't on it. And now and he's on it again. Now he's on it again, but he hasn't played. So, so yeah. So it might be sense. just how how our team success has been. I guess it kind of just like even though we're since he's been out, when was the last game he played? Um the Rockets game before All Star Break. Right before All Star Break. Yeah, so he's been out for it's been like nine games. games or yeah. nine games yeah so i guess maybe in in that time it he they've we've gone we've had two we're five and four yeah after tonight so i don't know i it, he would fit the description too because take him off our team and we're just above a 500 team not technically but you know what i mean like in these last nine games so I don't know. I just think the whole award is is just um, – I think a lot of it has to just do with media hype too. 
Yeah, I think the best way to kind of just like digest the MVP like narratives these days is just you just kind of got to ride the wave of whatever the media is doing that season. Like, because mm-hmm. I mean, if if you swap uh, us with the Warriors, like record wise, I mean, Curry is the runaway MVP. Oh, easily. So, I mean, it's just it really is just all about narratives and whatever narratives they choose for the year. The truth is they probably really did not want to give a Suns player MVP to be completely honest. I'm looking here at, I'm I'm looking here at the basketball reference MVP award tracker and that's, they use it as um, like, they go by like advanced stats, stats, like they have like a, um, I don't know what the word is for it. Like an algorithm. Yep. Um, Chris Paul's number four on there. Damn. And then the top three that there usually is, but it's just surprising. I didn't think he'd be so high. Yeah, I don't think it's the MVP should be looked into that like deeply with all the advanced stats and everything. Like I like the advanced stats, but I think for an award like that, it shouldn't be based off of those stats. It should really just be boiled down to a more like sort of best player most you know most valuable on a really good team i don't think it really should involve those you know you know oh whatever plus my not plus minus that's not an advanced stat but you know what i mean yeah uh do we want to hit one more question go for it uh this one is lengthy so buckle up. Actually, I'm just gonna try to like spark notes this thing because holy crap, he gave me a paragraph. This is from a at CP Pilgrim on Twitter. Um, he's basically saying since uh, with all the super teams lately, like the Lakers, or I guess not the Lakers, but like the Nets and like the super teams of the last few years, do you think uh, now that the teams? have seen the Bucks and Suns succeed that they're going to start shifting back to growing your team through the draft organically, or do you think it's just going to stick around and just people are just going to keep building super teams? I'll I let think, one of you guys answer first. Go ahead. Uh, I think that, um, I, I think that the super teams are going to be around for the foreseeable future. However, I think that if they start ending up, like the Lakers of this season and the Nets, you know, I, I understand the Nets had a bunch of injuries and whatever, um, but their their record is not really uh, an accurate display of how good they are. But I think that the super teams are going to stick around and then maybe in the next few years, the teams like the Suns or the Bucks or the Grizzlies or, you know, anybody like that will start to have success. And then I think as the super teams of the next couple of years start to fizzle out, I think they won't um, they won't really be seen as much after that. So I think for the foreseeable future, no, they're not going anywhere. But I think after a, a couple of years and after the teams like the Suns, Bucks, Grizzlies, whatever, start to keep, you know, start doing really well and having playoff success and whatnot, I think that after the current wave of super teams that they won't really start to pop up as much. Um, Great answer. I- <laughs> Yeah, I kind of agree with Evan there. I just I think though the super team is it's really important. Like 
who you're collecting on your team and then also mm-hmm. the coach as well because you know like the egos obviously for the players and then how well the coach is able to manage the egos of those players I think um obviously the obvious answer was Steve Kerr he was just able to contain them and having such humble players um on the team is very important compared to uh, the super teams we see this season. So, yeah. I'm going to disagree with you, Evan, because I think building through the draft, depending on where your team stands, is way too risky um, when um, how much control players have today. Um, I don't think teams really make the choice of, of having a super team. Um because yeah, we, we more than anything. Yeah, we see it every all the time every season. Um players just demanding trades and uh especially if they have um if the team has some type of loyalty to them. I'm sure we'll probably see it with Dame eventually, but if Dame requests a trade, he'll probably go wherever he gets he asks to go. Um but I think building through the draft is unless you're like a rebuilding team, like OKC, um, perfect example. I think for them building through the draft is okay, but some players don't, some players will never hit their peak if they, if they had a peak. Um, otherwise we see it. Sometimes it can take five or six years. Um, and I think that oh, for a lot of teams, if they want to keep, ticket sales and just stuff like that. Keep their fans happy. Um, I think building through the draft is like the worst way to go. And that's the NBA is all revolved around money at this point. So I don't think, I don't think teams will um, go back to building through the draft. Yeah. I definitely understand that. I guess what I was saying is more of a hope than anything. Uh, yeah. Nobody other than the team's fans really wants super teams. Um it's not a you know pleasant thing when you know the some of the greatest players of all time all come you know strolling into your arena at once and you have to play against them. It's never fun. Is that what you uh, consider a super team? Like what I would mean, you consider a super team? Uh well, that's kind of hard. It's kinda, it's more of a situational thing than anything. It's kind of hard to put a exact definition. Are the are the current Warriors a super team? They have four all-stars. Current the current world? Uh, like absolutely not. Yeah, this year, I would say no. I mean, oh, I mean, <laughs> you're counting like Andrew Wiggins as an all star. So, I mean, four all stars technically, like that's what they were with KD. They fit the criteria technically. Wait, who Curry? Yeah, well, Clay, yeah, but Clay's coming back from his injury. And I mean, yeah, Clay's kind of like a he technically wasn't an all star, but I mean, he is an all star. So, yeah. Oh, at one point, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, would you guys consider the Suns a super team? I think that the Suns. Oh. I, I would consider. Okay, so I guess to go back to your original question. A super team for me would be multiple. I would say more than two players that are currently top blank, top ten, top fifteen, top twenty. That's why I say it's sort of a situational thing. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't count their like past uh, All Star appearances and whatnot. I just think that. Top, I would say more than two players who are currently top, let's just say 20 or whatever. Do you think that a team with four top 50 players is a super team? 
uh, for top 50. I would say not necessarily. I guess it really depends on who the players are because you could, depending, I mean, you could say. Let's say one is, let's say one is top 10, one is top 15, one is top 30, and the fourth is top 50. I would say probably not. Uh, I think they'd just be a really, really good team. I wouldn't yeah. call them a super team. I think, yeah. I think a super, super team, team is – sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I agree with Evan. I think a super team is um, three players at least who are top 20 or so. Yeah, I think that there's three superstars because then with that team that you're hypothetically saying, I don't think the top 30 and top 50 players would really be superstars. I think that they've got to have – three superstars like a um, Kyrie, James Harden, and KD, sort of like that. Well, I uh, I essentially just described the Phoenix Suns, so the Suns are so not a super team. Yeah, that's I, what see, I was going to say. That sounds like Aiton and uh, Mikhail, the top 30, uh-huh. top 50. But I kind of disagree with that because I think a super team can be one team that is has very little flaws in their entire game that not many teams can beat. So like, because no, that's just a good team. Yeah. yeah, I think I feel like a super team is the way that people describe it is is when it's like bought or such from yeah. other teams and not like grown organically. Yeah, that's a good point. I so you would like- so you would think that a team with like three or more su- like three superstars. So we'll take the Nets when they had James Harden, or even we'll take the Lakers. Lakers are a better example. LeBron, Westbrook, and AD. At the beginning of the season, let's not talk about what's happening. Beginning of the season, and all these mid role players around them, you think that's more of like a super team than someone like the Suns, who have like four very quality starters, like above. I would definitely say above average, um, with Jay Crowder, yeah, (laughs) and then a a very good next ten. I would I would like a classify I would classify a super team as like a team that sells out to get to specifically get like top like those superstar players. Look at exactly. the KD Warriors yeah. or, yeah, or I mean technically like the the Miami Heat when LeBron was there, the Celtics of two thousand eight. Uh, you know, just okay, so, like, so by your guys' definition, if, if I'm understanding this right, your guys' definition, it's more of the name super team than the actual team itself, yeah. yeah I, think I think it's a, like a the big... bought, not built thing, yeah. That's what like, I... for example, like with the Warriors, I think they didn't really become a super team, even though they had all these amazing players like Clay, Curry, Draymond all together, they didn't really become like the super team name until they got Kevin Durant. So could uh, you be a super team without buying? That's what I was going to say is I don't think that you're a super team because nobody called the Warriors a super team when they just yeah. had Steph and Clay because they when they were 73 and nine. Yeah, exactly. it's specifically the buying part, like signing free agents. Part okay. Of it. So it makes more sense than if it's like it's more of like the name to the team rather yeah, than like their performance or their team on paper. Yeah, like yeah. if you draft multiple guys who end up being, you know, top 10, top 15, I wouldn't call that a super team because that's just sort of luck i mean you know i one hand it's luck one hand it's not whatever you know what i mean um but i think when you set like like how the lakers did they traded away if you include um westbrook and ad they traded away brandon ingram uh lonzo ball josh hart uh and then 
Kuzma, who's having a great season now, KCP, and I understand KCP is not that young, but that's multiple young guys that have all been really good. And they traded away essentially their whole young core to get those um, quote superstar guys. I think that is the definition definition of a super team mm-hmm. when you when okay. you kind of essentially blow up your young core to get those those big names. It doesn't have to be a young core, but anytime that you trade away a bunch of guys on your team to get one superstar player. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question about a different team. So let's say you have a top three player in the league and they were drafted. You have like a top like 15-ish player in the league and they were drafted. And then you have a top 30 player and they were signed. I would say no. Is this the Bucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess as much. I would say I'm no. just trying to get like a good feel for like because like what if your best player was drafted, but you signed your your next two best. Like there's a lot of uh wrenches you can throw in that kind of description, I feel like. Um, I think if your top one's drafted and your next two are not depending on how good the next two are i would say it's definitely possible um i'm trying to think of like a scenario where that happened uh yeah we don't need we've been uh we've been running a little bit along here so we don't have to get too specific about that but that was a really great question actually that was uh (laughs) yeah that was a thank you to uh i lost the tweet but thank you to whoever asked that question well uh is there anything from the game that you guys wanted to talk about more or about the next uh, our game against the Lakers on Sunday? I think we covered just the- Yeah, no. Yeah, nothing much. I'm just looking forward to beating them. So <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that with my... <laughs> not for you, Evan. Not for me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, in that case... Thank you for listening to the We Know Ball podcast. Thank you again to Evan and Abby for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you, Thank you for having us. Uh, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace.